right, welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. My name's Ben Searle, a.k.a. Surly, and I'll be taking the reins off the bench for Daniel McCarty, who has now made the move to mornings. He's filling in for the one and only Ian Smith, who, of course, is jet-setting off to do what he does best at the Cricket World Cup. And speaking of jet-setting, I'm actually currently in France myself, lucky enough to be over here, parked up in Montereau, a small town in the south of France, about 30 minutes out from Nice. I was lucky enough to be in Paris for the All Blacks World Cup opener against France. I stay lucky. Of course, it was a tough night to be an All Blacks fan behind enemy lines, but still an amazing experience. And I'll also be making the trip to Lyon on Friday for the Italy game before heading back home mid next week. And I'm confident this one is going to be a more enjoyable watch. So hoping for a big all-black win there to secure our place in the quarterfinals. But looking forward to talking all things Rugby World Cup with you, as always, from 6 till 7 each weeknight. The phone and text lines are open. We'd love to hear from you throughout the show. So give us a call on 0800 150 811 or text through to double eight double three at any time. And let us know what's on your mind for today's show. And we have a busy hour ahead. I'm going to run you through the latest news from around the grounds. Then we have the great man Brendan Chainsaw Laney joining us to talk the Northern Hemisphere's hot start to the tournament and give us his opinion on all the big talking points so far. After the news, we'll cast an eye ahead to the All Blacks vs Italy, some key talking points ahead of that team naming tomorrow morning. And then finally, a bit of a Uruguay versus Namibia preview. I know it's not a game that might not be on the top of your mind in terms of entertainment, but there's huge bragging rights ahead for these two nations. So I'll run you through a few stats and a couple players to watch ahead of tomorrow morning's big games. But into the news we go, and let's kick her off with the man, of course, who is polarising. He's on the minds of everyone at the moment. And that is one Eddie Jones. And former Wallabies lock and well-known journalist over the ditch, Peter Fitzsimons, he's come out today and he's urged Rugby Australia to sack Eddie Jones and bring back Robbie Deans as Wallabies head coach for the rest of their World Cup campaign. Now, Fitzsimons, he said that it's time for Rugby Australia to move on from Eddie. He thought he was going to be part of the solution, but he's only made the problem worse. He then went on to say that he thinks Eddie Jones has been an extraordinary coach with a record that spans across 20 years and it's second to none, but it's equally undeniable that this year he has taken what has been a talented, if underperforming, Dave Rennie team and turned them into a basket case. So strong words there from Peter Fitzsimons. He then reckons he would beg Robbie Deans to come back. Robbie's over in Japan at the moment, so maybe he's looking for a straight swap with Eddie I'm not sure how I'd feel if old Dingo Deans came back for a second stint. That first one, it broke my heart. And for me, I'm thinking of Aussie to be a fair dinkum chance at the next World Cup, which of course they are hosting in 2027. I believe they need to go young. Maybe a Stephen Larkham or someone like that would be my preferred option for Wallabies coach. But keen to hear your thoughts, so text them through as well. Your next topic, unlike myself and probably many other All Blacks fans, it appears that Scott McLeod is taking no pleasure from watching the All Blacks' failings as they stare at an early exit. When asked about the topic, defence coach Scott McLeod said the following. We're in the same competition as them and we need their level to be very high and we want to push each other so that we can get ready for um, test matches during the year. So we definitely need their standard high, yeah. 
I'm going to be honest, as a diehard All Blacks fan, when I first saw those results, I couldn't help but smile, of course. I was cheering for both Fiji and Wales to get one up over the Wallabies, but when you think about it, Scott certainly does raise a good point, and you have to think, while our friends across the ditch are struggling, it's only going to have a negative impact on our rugby here, of course. Super Rugby, our premier competition, and them dropping their standards could well be to the detriment of our game. When you look at the four undefeated sides remaining in the competition, your Ireland, England, Wales and France, to me it's no coincidence the North are outperforming the South in the pool stages. So do you agree with those statements from Scott? I personally do. So maybe we need to change our mindset around this Wallabies failure and get behind them. I don't know. I'd still be struggling to cheer for those guys in green and gold. That's for sure. And sticking with the All Blacks, Joe Schmidt has emerged as a potential secret weapon for the All Blacks if they are to face Ireland in that quarterfinal coming up. Of course, Ireland's win over South Africa last weekend means they're set to finish in first in Pool B, and they're on course to meet the All Blacks, who are likely to finish second in Pool A after suffering that loss in the tournament opener. The 58-year-old Schmidt, he's been a part of the All Blacks coaching staff for more than a year now, but he's renowned for his stint as Ireland's head coach where under his guidance, Ireland won three Six Nations titles, a Grand Slam, and they famously achieved their first victory against the All Blacks. But speaking to media today, Mark Talia and Dalton Papali'i had this to say on Joe Schmidt's impact with the All Blacks. Um, Joe's, um, he's put in a lot of work for us, you know, mostly our backs, our forwards, you know, he always um, helps us a lot in our ball carries, um, uh, contestables, all those like little details that you know other teams or players miss, and you know, um, he's massive. He's I would say Joe knows more than <laughs> other coaches. Eh? He knows like the names of players and stuff like that. So when he talks about information, he knows a lot of information. If you have, if you have a conversation with him, you probably know your name more than he knows you. So yeah, he's, he's a buzzy man to get around. So he's the goat. He's yeah. one of the goats, and um, and I think the coaching world. Yeah, uh, he, he knows. He has a lot of knowledge of the game, yeah. and um, especially for me and Mark when he came into our super team last year, um, he was a real difference maker, and he did he did wonders for us. And coming to this environment, he's he's added his flavour, and all the boys can feel it. So. You can't really explain. Nah, it's just uh, he could probably even riff the game if he wanted yeah, to. He could. <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. He's good to have around. Pretty glowing words there from uh, Dalton and Mark. He's the goat. They went to say so. Hopefully, the goat line against the Irish. Of course, if anyone knows them like the back of a hand, it would be him. So fingers crossed. That's enough to get us over the line. I'm already so excited. Looking ahead to that quarterfinal or the possibility of that quarterfinal of course you can't count your chickens before they hatch with that Italy game fast approaching time to shoot off for an ad break now but stay with us because after the break we'll have the great man Chainsaw Laney joining us here on SENZ Welcome back to Rugby Today here on SENZ. I am not Daniel McCarty, I'm Surly, and of course I'll be taking over for Daniel now as he moves on to the mornings. But remember to phone or text the lines are open and we'd love to hear from you, so give us a call on 0800 150 811 or text through to 8833 at any time 
to get involved with the show. But now we're joined by the great man, Brendan Chainsaw Laney, who's joining us to talk all things rugby. I'm excited to get his educated opinion on a few topics today. But Brendan, mate, first of all, cheers for jumping on. No, happy days, mate. Hope you're well. Hope you're well. Yeah, great, mate. Over in France, so certainly can't complain. But let's start with that Ireland-South Africa game from the weekend because I'm still buzzing from that one. What did you make of the contest as a whole? Because that, to me, is how Test Rugby should be played. Oh, mate, what, that's exactly right. It was a real test, wasn't it? You know, like both teams came out. They had a plan in place, particularly the South Africans, when you looked at what they were doing on their bench. Um, they were going to try and bash the... Best of the Irish up up front, and uh, and the Irish matched them, which I thought was going to happen because I've done that to just about everyone I've played this year, and in the last 18 months. To be fair, um, the Irish forward packs are very very good forward pack. So, um, and what they're out, what they're also doing with uh, with their with just their whole game plan is that everyone seems to know what they're doing and and where they need to be, and uh, the Irish were bloody good. They really were. They were great to watch. Um, they are the number one team in the world at the moment, and I know the the, um, the French are very bloody close to them as well. But gee, gee, was that was just a fantastic test match. The 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 way the crowd reacted not only during the game but after the game as well was just awesome. They started singing, and it just was a it, it really did show that this World Cup is is very very close. Um, and we're going to have, and particularly from an All Black point of view, we're going to have a real real battle on our hands to get out of this uh, quarter-final area if we come up against um, Ireland. Yeah, you alluded to it there, and it is looking like we are set to crash with Ireland in that quarter-final. They've now won 16 on the trot, and they're sitting pretty clear in the world rankings at the moment, but in a weird way, it kind of felt like they came in as a bit of underdogs. Everyone was kind of talking about your France, your South Africa, New, New Zealand, and Ireland were in the conversation, but not quite as your tournament winners. Do you feel like they've really established themselves as that benchmark now and the challenges for everyone else to get on their level? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, I really do. Like, I've, they have sort of come in a wee bit under the radar as such. No one was really talking about them. I suppose everyone was looking at that um, the French and, and, and it being at home and, you know, the, the, the clash that everyone was talking about was going to be the All Black um, France came in the, in the first one of the tournament. So everyone was sort of discussing that. Um, we had the pool of death, obviously, as well. Um, and then, you, you know, you, the, the Australians... Um, Scotland, um, you know, there's there's so many other permutations going on that people were talking about, and they, and they weren't really talking about the Irish team, and um, and that's probably something they've quite enjoyed. They've just gone about their job, knowing that they've got a a, a really good game plan. They've got a team of of uh, guys who are performing extremely well, and they just they, they just look like they know their game. They're just really confident in what they're doing. And they've picked some really good um, guys in position who have, have really stepped up. You know, the way Bundy Arkey's playing at 12 for them um, is just magnificent. Um, you know, Gibson Park's playing great at nine. Um, but they've also got guys who come off the bench, you know, um, for them that, that who are, you know, established Irish players who've played, you know, 60, 70, 80 tests. So that, that's fantastic. I, I love the way that the Irish Ford Pack's going too. They're... They're scrumming well. Their lineups performing. Um, okay, they had a bit of shaky start there against South Africa, but 
Um, that's a big African full pack uh, line out time too. So you know they they put a lot of work in and they got that correct in the second half and it and it worked for them. So I think they're probably quite happy with the way they've sort of you know there hasn't been a lot of talk about them. They've just been able to get on with their job and and now they're now they're certainly everyone's um, sitting up in their chair and going, gee whiz, Ireland are the real deal. And 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 I think that's great for the World Cup too because I think this is probably the the closest World Cup we've had in a long time. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And like I mentioned, I'm pretty nervously looking ahead to that quarterfinal already. South Africa, on the other hand, they missed a couple crucial kicks and opportunities that we're so used to seeing them capitalise on. Do you think this has kind of opened the door for the return of one Andre Pollard? Because I couldn't help but sitting, watching from the comfort of my couch, just thinking that this is prime now for him to come back in and perhaps be the Rugby World Cup hero for South Africa because we know he wouldn't miss those nudges, right? Brendan, I believe we've got you back on, mate. Is that the case? Yes, yes yeah, mate. Yeah, it all dropped off the other way over there, but... No worries. The joys of live radio. I was just asking around Andre Pollard. Obviously, watching this game, South Africa missed a couple opportunities there to bang over conversions or penalties, and you couldn't help but think that Andre would have nailed those. So, do you think this has kind of set up the perfect return for him? Maybe he comes back into the lineup, and he could be that potential World Cup hero for them. Well, he kicks eighty-five percent. That's probably the big thing for them. Um, and 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 as you can see. You know, and particularly in that Irish test, but you know, test match rugby through the years, you've got to take your points, and and you know, you that was a different game if some of those kicks had gone over. Um, Fuff the clerk's not a renowned goal kicker, like he can kick them. Don't get me wrong, um, and you know, the the regular goal kicker had a bad day at the office, and that could happen too. But you know, Pollard is one of the better goal kickers in world rugby. The other thing with that, he's kicked at pressure. And he's kicked under pressure in, in big tests and performed. So, um, and when you get to World Cups like that, you've got to have guys in in your squad who who can handle the situation, and have been in that situation before too. And he's exactly that guy. So, um, um, amazing recovery considering he was wasn't even expected to get back in and be ready to go again. So it's great. He's a fantastic footballer. So I think he does come into the equation. And um, and I think from a South African point of view, um, they're probably sitting back um, um, and and be pretty happy with with him being available. So I think it's great great for South Africa, and it's great for the tournament to have a guy of his calibre back involved. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait for quarterfinal time. But I will touch on these other. Northern Hemisphere sides, because when you look at the un, four undefeated sides remaining in the competition, you've got your Ireland, your England, your Wales, your France. It's fair to say that the North have really made a statement so far early on in pool play. What do you put this down to, mate? Do you think it's like a more regular quality competition, or are they just playing better code than us at the moment? We see in this under-20s level as well, they're really achieving great results in those kind of youth development programs as well. Yeah, they are. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we, you know, as, if you're purely just talking about All Black Rugby and New Zealand Rugby, we haven't won that competition, I think, since, I think it's 2017, that under-20 competition. Um, and then going back a step, you know, they're coming off uh, pretty tough um, Six Nations as well. Um, but if you're looking at England, you know, and even Wales, Wales... I think finished fifth in the Six Nations. They were getting absolute pelters. Um, Warren Gatlin was getting um, getting heaps, and, and basically they were saying he shouldn't be back coaching again. So, 
you know, Wales have performed extremely well, and so have the, so have the English. Um, they've come back into the competition, and, you know, that first game against Argentina, I thought really that the Argentinians might have been a bit of a stumbling block for them. Um, but the way they came out with 14 men, and they took their opportunities, um, Ford kicked a lot of goals, penalties, but they actually played better, I thought, than, than Argentina. It wasn't just kicking penalties. The Argentinians, I didn't think, played as well as what they could have, but the English shut them out of the game. So you'd have to say that on form, um, Wales and England weren't even really in the conversation when it came to a World Cup um, and, and winning it. Um, yes, they were probably looking at getting out of, of pools and that, but they certainly weren't in the conversation going on their form pre-World Cup. So I think that's another bonus to this World Cup. We're seeing guy competition um, ramp up, and and, um, and those guys have, have have certainly come back into the conversation around, you know, can they can they get to uh, get through the semis and finals and win it? So um, you know, I think that's great. Scotland are still, you know, their big match is still to come. Um, they've obviously still got a you know, a one more game before they hit Ireland. That's going to be a massive test for them. So, um, you know, and that's, that's so good for the competition again. Uh, look, at, we can sort of um, blame our under-20 um, uh, program and say that we haven't brought guys through and maybe their the competitions in the north are, are better. Yeah, I, look, I think Super Rugby, they've certainly, and there's plenty, plenty of conversation around it that, you know, we have to look at our Super Rugby competition and, and, and revamp it a bit and... Um, because I think he's got a little bit stale. Uh, how they do that, I unfortunately don't get paid, and paid enough, and then we've got all the asses for that one, and I'm sure they're working <laughs> on that at the moment. But um, it, it's certainly a competition that um, I, I personally love being involved with, love watching, um, but there's certainly people who have turned away from, from watching it. Uh, is, is there too much rugby? Um, is it that we don't know who is playing for? You know, if you look at a Highlanders team, for instance, so, I'd say that half of the need wouldn't know half the guys in that team, um, and that's not just happening in the in the Highlanders region too. You know, it's happening in others. So there's certainly some big uh, big question around question marks around what they do with those competitions and that, and that would certainly help revamp rugby a bit, and and it's got to be done sooner rather than later. Now, cheers for your opinions there, Brenda, mate. Really appreciate you joining the show. And from what you said there, you sound like a man that is capable of fixing Super Rugby. So if I had the money to pay you to do so, mate, you'd be the first <laughs> person I call up. So cheers for that and hope you enjoy the rest of the competition. Yeah, good on you, mate. Have a great save of travels and, and enjoy it yourself. Good man. Legend. There we go. The great man, Brendan Chainsaw Laney, giving us his opinion there on the dominance of the Northern Hemisphere so far. Before we cut off to the news with Johnny Mack at 6.30, just wanted to run through my breakout performance as well. Of course, brought to you by Breakout River Meats, 100% Australian meat and proudly supporting Rugby Union. And my breakout performer for today, he's actually a player to watch for tomorrow morning, and that's Uruguay's flanker, Manuel Aldado. He's leading the competition for turnovers with eight in total. He's a menace around ruck time, probably not a household name in Rugby Union, but he's certainly someone that you need to keep an eye out for. He's a hardworking flanker, and he's been compared to David Pocock, which is no easy feat as well. Of course, the former great wallaby flanker he was a menace at ruck time as well if Namibia are to get the win they're really going to have to contain this bloke so keep an eye out for him tomorrow morning 
as no doubt he'll be into the thick of everything. And he is a massive part of this Uruguay game plan. They love playing fast footy. They love playing attacking footy off the back of turnovers. So if they can get this win, that would be huge for them. This Namibia-Uruguay game, it's almost like their grand final. So both of these sides will be really up for it. And I'm expecting Manuel Aldeo to have a massive day for Uruguay. So that was brought to you by Breakout River Meats, proud supporters of your local independent butchers and the Rugby World Cup. So that's great stuff there. Fast approaching 6.30 now, so here's Johnny Mack coming up with the news, and then we'll be back to talk some All Blacks versus Italy and the potential side that we may run out for that big game this weekend. Drink it if you can, can you spend a little time? All right, welcome back to Rugby World Cup today. Of course, you're listening to SEMZ, and we're brought to you by Kubota, shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. And the stage is set for a massive game this weekend, the All Blacks taking on Italy. And we're hearing from the Italian camp that they're pretty confident. They're up for this game. They see the All Blacks as being right for the picking. So no doubt they're going to be going hammer and tongs to try and pull off a famous win for them and throw a real spanner in the works for the All Blacks who are possibly trying to lock in a quarterfinal appearance here with Ireland. So an incredibly important game. Of course, team naming goes down tonight at midnight New Zealand time. She's 1pm French time for me and I'm really excited to see this team that Fozzie and co roll out for such a big game. Plenty of questions pop to mind. Do we see a full-strength All Blacks 23? Is this the game where everyone is back on deck? Will we see Frizzell? Will we see Sam Kane, Geordie Barrett, Tyrell Lomax? Will all of those guys make their first appearances at this Rugby World Cup? Footage has emerged of both Kane and Geordie training. Tyrell Lomax, he's been running as well. So hopefully they are good to go. Who replaces Ethan DeGroote in the starting lineup? Of course, he's out for two weeks. He will be back for that quarterfinal. He's off to tackling school, which has served Owen Farrell so well, of course. He's going to fix his technique, and he will be back for the big game. Will there be a shuffle in the back three, or does Bowden Barrett retain that 15 jersey? For me, it's going to be interesting. A lot of pundits are calling for Will Jordan to perhaps get a nod. That might see one Leicester Fying Anuku come onto the wing, but still Bowden Barrett, he's such a world-class player, and we're almost in too deep with our commitment to these dual pivots now for things to change, so I'm interested to see that. The makeup of the bench... Of course, Cam Roygaard, so impressive against Namibia, as was Damian McKenzie. Do both of those guys make their way in to make this 23 and really bolster up our bench? Because I feel like against France in that last 20 minutes, that is where they got the better of us. And after watching Ireland and South Africa on the weekend, so important to have a high-quality bench to come on and finish these games. It really can be the difference between winning or losing come quarterfinal time. So it is a massive game. And Coach Scott McLeod and Dalton Papali'i, they've spoken earlier in the day around the importance of playing Italy and how important this game is going to be to get them the win. Last year, they you know they won some critical games. Um, they really evolved their attack there, from what I can see. Um, they're playing, they had the fastest, fastest ball available in Six Nations. So that's better than Ireland. You know, that's... 
and that's quick. So they know their game and they're playing it well. I've, I've played them a couple of times and I've, I've seen them how, how fast they've improved. Uh, the two main things is their, how quick their ball, they recycle their ball and also uh, they're, they're good at engaging, engaging defenders and uh, passing at the, at the line real late, um, opening up holes so players can go through. So um, they've, they've, come a, they've come a pretty good way. They they've always were good, but now I think they're a team where you know, you've, you've, you've got to put your best foot forward against them because they're playing some bloody good footy. So. And that was Dalton there speaking on the Italians, and it really is a valid point. I feel like as rugby fans, we're so used to now seeing the All Blacks play Italy in pool stages and come away with dominant wins. But this Italian side has kind of shown over the last couple of Six Nations campaigns that under the Kiwi coach, they have come a long way. And like Coach Scott McLeod mentioned there, their ability to recycle ball at such a rapid speed has become a real hallmark to their game. They're moving quicker than the Irish at the moment, who I believe are second when it comes to ruck ball and speed of it produced. So this will be a great tune-up for us come quarterfinals time as well. But the Italians, they're no joke. And gone are those days, I think, of when the All Blacks used to put 60 or 70 points on them and be comfortable. I'm still expecting us to get the win. And it's great to hear that the All Blacks, no complacency is sneaking into their camp. And perhaps that is down to as well, the players having watched that South Africa versus Ireland game and being motivated by that. Mark Talia and Dalton Papali'i actually spoke about that and the impact it will have on the All Blacks camp as well, moving forward, watching that game from the comfort of their hotel over the weekend. I guess um, those are the kind of games everyone's um, keen to watch. So uh, when you watch kind of games like that, you just you kind of think back to yourself and your team and just try and get your team ready, prep yourself ready for the next games that you're playing and hopefully put on performances like they're playing as us. Yeah. That's what fans fans love to watch, games like that. Two, um, two great teams going at it and also there were some moments in that game where you, know, you, you would hold your breath for uh, longer than usual in those moments. So... Those are the games, even as players, you know, we try to watch those games and, you know, sort of try watch it as a, as a player and get some, you know, some uh, detail and see what they're doing. But it's hard to not turn into a spectator and, and actually be on the edge of your seat watching those games because that's how rugby should be played. So there you go. And to me, that's exciting to hear. Obviously, we've got our All Blacks. They had the bye last weekend, but they've had the chance to sit back and watch a quality game like Ireland and South Africa and realise that that is the benchmark, like Brendan Laney mentioned before as well. The challenge now is for all these other teams in this competition to get on that level. And there's no, sometimes there's nothing better than watching your opposition really have a great day at the office to help ignite that fire and bring the best out of you. So it's really exciting for this team naming tomorrow morning. Do we see a full strength All Blacks 23? You would have to think so. You'd have to think that was always the plan from Ian Foster and co. The time is now, I believe, to make a statement. We're seeing the French and all these other teams doing just that. So hopefully we have the Rolls-Royce side out. Frizzell, it's been a little while now since he's been back in the saddle. I'd love to see our captain Sam Kane back as well. And I think Geordie Barrett will just give us that ability again to playmake in the midfield. He's become such a strong and dynamic ball runner. He's almost like a third first five out there. And I know a lot of people aren't sold on the dual pivot. So perhaps they're thinking that adding a third would be a bit chaotic. But he's got a great boot. He sees space and identifies it so well. So I think Geordie, perhaps he's been a bit of the missing piece to the puzzle. And if we'd had him against the French, perhaps that would have got us 
over the line. Will there be a shuffle in the back three? Just referring back to those questions I opened this segment with. I think Bowden, he'll probably retain the 15 jersey for me. I think we're in too deep. We're too far committed now with these dual pivots. So Will Jordan and Mark Talia, they've established themselves as the premier winging duo. Does Leicester Whanganuku earn a spot on the bench? He was incredibly impressive against Namibia. He offers us something a bit different. Obviously, Mark and Will, they're your kind of razzle-dazzle wingers. They've got the speed, they've got the pace, they've got the skill set, and they can make anything happen at the drop of a hat. Whereas Leicester, he's more of your power runner, a strong ball runner, loves the combat, loves the physical stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if he can make his way into the 23. And like I mentioned before, the makeup of the bench, that is going to be extremely important. Cam Roygaard, two tries against Namibia. To me, he offers us a massive point of difference. A strong ball running nine who loves exposing weak defense around ruck time. He's still got the passing game and the kicking game to be right up there with your world-class halfbacks. Is he closing that gap between Aaron Smith I think that might be a step too far. I think Aaron Smith is still probably the best halfback or one of the best halfbacks in the world. But 2024 and the future is certainly looking bright with Cam Roygaard potentially at the helm. Then you cross across to one Damian McKenzie. Has he played his way into this All Blacks 23? He looked impressive against Namibia. And again, he offers a real point of difference. Something off the bench when the game is tiring. Defense, opposition defense, they're starting to feel the fatigue of this match. Is he a guy that we can look to inject late into the game and bring some impact back into this and wrestle back momentum in terms of back into the All Blacks' favor? So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Make sure you ring, text them through. And fire through your opinions as well, because I know it's always a polarizing topic when we come to all black team selections. Who do you see making your 23? Text it through to 8833. I'd love to hear from you. It's going to be interesting. Again, this is our hardest remaining pool game throughout the remainder of the competition. So for me, it's statement time. And I would love to see the boys go out there and put on a real clinic against the fired up Italian side. They're going to be ready for this task. Many are saying that they might target that French game now that DuPont is not in the mix. But I think any time an ex-Kiwi coach comes up against the All Blacks, who perhaps many nations are feeling aren't once the force that they once were, then they will be licking their lips at the thought of this game. But I have no doubt the All Blacks are going to go in there and get the job done. So really excited for this clash and can't wait to see what the All Blacks side looks like for for. Sorry, looks like for, fr- for Saturday morning, your time, the time zones are really starting to mess with me. And let's see what Ian Foster has up his sleeve. Now that the boys have been away that bye week, they might have used it really to work on their systems and develop quite a few things. So let's see what the All Blacks can produce in the weeks to come. Unfortunately, my computer has just crashed on me, so I'm not able to see what is coming up next, but I will do a bit of an emergency throw here to the producer here so that we can throw here, maybe perhaps to an air break, and then we will come back once I've sorted out a couple of technical difficulties. The joys of live radio on Rugby World Cup today.
Right, welcome back to Rugby World Cup today. I am not Daniel McCarty, I am Ben Searle, and I'm back after technical difficulties there, the joys of live radio, but luckily I've got Jacob back. I can see him on my computer screens, and we are good to roll. Prior to being cut off there, I was talking, of course, about All Black Selection, which comes out at midnight tonight, and there are some big calls to be made with all players believed to be back on deck. The All Black squad, they are fit and ready for selection against Italy and was as set to be the biggest of our remaining pool games. So coach Jason Ryan had this to say towards a potential start for Tamaiti Williams as a replacement for Ethan DeGroote. Look, they, um, you know, they've been playing good rugby up until their injuries, you know, like all of them in their own little uh, unique ways. So it'd be great to have a full contingent if we get through tomorrow um, while at training and they'll all become uh, available, yeah. Which is interesting to hear, of course, I mentioned before, would Sam Kane, etc. be available? And it well appears they are, of course. Ethan DeGroote, he unfortunately will not be there. Two weeks on the sideline after completing a nice course at tackle school, courtesy of Owen Farrell. So Jason Ryan, he's confident that his pack can step up and maybe a debut for Tamaiti, whether starting or off the bench. Ryan had this to say about the big Crusaders prop. He's been training incredibly well. Uh, he's ready. He's been putting the work in um, off the grass as well as on it. He's um, you know, been learning a lot from the experienced props, I guess. And um, yeah, with Gruder obviously being out, it's no secret he's going to get a crack, isn't it? Just what the mix will be. But um, yeah, looking forward to him putting into place what, he, what he's been working hard at at training, really. And of course, the whole Italian forward pack presents a bit of a different challenge for the All Blacks. They might not be as big and as physically imposing as the French, but they move at a rapid rate. And Coach Ryan, he's identified a couple key areas of improvement. Yeah, well, we've got to step up, to be honest. We've got to uh, move forward. I talked at the camp that was really important for us as an All Black team to change gears. And I think as a forward pack, um, we're in the... We're in, a great spot to do that and we'll have no excuses around that and I think that it's uh, it's um, well it has to be a bit of a marker game for us as a pack and I know the boys are in a great spot and they've prepared well and um, looking forward to executing what we've been working so hard at with training you know the Bordeaux camp as I mentioned last week it was some good physical exchanges and blew the whistle a couple more times than I used to uh, usually do but it's a good sign. It's all in, uh, it's all to you know, and put in the right place. And a big topic at the moment, and we touched on it with the great man Brendan Laney before. Is is New Zealand missing out on playing South African sides in your Super Rugby? Has that affected our physicality? Jason Ryan also had this to say. Yep. Yeah. Good question. I think um, it's it's. Um, it was always enjoyable playing the box in, in Super Rugby, in my experience, because they're, they're a big four-pack and, and that sort of thing. So you don't probably have that sort of uh, demand in, in the Super Rugby competition as much as you used to. But um, I think what's important, you've got to run scenarios at trainings and you've got to make sure that you're setting guys up to succeed through different situations that you can create um, through different ways of loading the scrum, uh, engaging and that sort of thing. So... It's, it's probably not what it used to be, to be fair, but um, you know, we've we, we got no excuses with that side of thing. We, we've got to get ourselves right at, at trainings and get that right. We probably learned that in the test at Twickenham. 
Oh, no, if it answers your question. So really, so, sorry, jumped in a bit early there. So really exciting stuff for the All Blacks. Obviously, Jason Ryan, he's licking his lips at the thought of coming up against a much improved Italian forward pack. We know the All Blacks, they don't shy away from physicality. So it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out against Italy. A quick little look ahead now to the Rugby World Cup schedule. What's coming up over the next 24 hours? Brought to you by Kubota, of course. Together we are shaping and building Australia and New Zealand. And the big game that's going down tomorrow morning, 4.45am kickoff New Zealand time, live from Leon, which of course I'll be heading to over the weekend to watch that All Blacks game. We have Uruguay taking on Namibia. And Namibia, this will be their final appearance at the Rugby World Cup. They're still looking for an overdue win to end their tournament losing streak. Unfortunately, they've lost 24 games on the trot. So this is probably a game that they had penciled in their schedule as one that they would really like to target. And to say it's been a difficult tournament for them would be an understatement. They've scored just 11 points in the three games to date while conceding 219. You could argue that's a credit to coming up against sides like France and New Zealand. They will want to make a statement here, though, and farewell France and show they have made some improvements over this last four-year cycle. Coach Alistair Kutsi, he's made seven changes to the side with four changes to the starting pack and three to the back line. He's even come out and said that perhaps they waved the white flag a little against the French and this is the game they really wanted to win. Uruguay, on the other hand, they've had a promising first two games of the tournament. They've been caused problems for France in that 27-12 defeat, and they really pushed Italy, going into Oranges 17-7 ahead before they unfortunately faded away in the second half. In terms of these sides, head-to-head, your odds at the TAB. Uruguay, they're a $1.05 favourite, so they are your clear Winners for this game, Namibia 8.50 and Uruguay 13+. plus. That has been the most popular bet with the punters in terms of your winning team and margin as well. So it should be a good game. Maybe one you didn't have circle to watch on your calendar, but I guarantee it's going to be entertaining and both of these sides will be going at it. That's us for Rugby World Cup today. My first episode in the crease. A couple little issues there, but we pushed on through and I'm looking forward to coming back tomorrow night to recap that game tomorrow morning and then preview Japan versus Samoa and cover off all the latest news as well.